Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Property. I'm Peter Switzer. Now it won't surprise you that an all coronavirus look at real estate is the subject for tonight's show. How will prices be affected? Will property investors run for the exits? And when will the negativity stop? To answer these all important questions, I have Louis Christopher of SQM Research, Paul Rickard of Switzer Daily and the Switzer Report, and Anna Porter of the property advice firm Suburbanite. To get an expert view on the numbers, let's check in now with Louis Christopher. Well, when it comes to forecasting the future of house prices, I always like to talk to Louis Christopher, the founder of SQM Research. Louis, thanks for joining us. Uh, good to be here, Peter. All right, so there's strange times, mate. Let's kick off by just getting where you were before the word, in terms of house prices this year, before the word coronavirus came in to dominate our conversations. <laughs> Well, that, of course, takes us back to uh, mid-January. Yep. Um, and I, I recall specifically on Australia Day, I, I started to really tune into what was going on from that point onwards. I think that was at the point where we had the first case in Australia. Mm. Uh, and uh, at the time, um, the housing market, of course, was in a hiatus. Uh, it was the Christmas January holiday period. It finished off December in a very strong at a very strong point uh, where auction clearance rates for that month were basically in the 70s for Sydney and Melbourne, indicating a very strong market for both cities. And then when we started off in February, when the market effectively reopened in February, auction clearance rates were very strong again. We were recording auction clearance rates in the Sydney up to the 80s, which is extraordinarily strong, and Melbourne was in the 70s. So February was looking strong and was strong right throughout the month. Things started to weaken though in our view from about the first week of March. We, we noted from that point onwards, auction clearance rates started to weaken a little. And as each week went past in March up until present time, the clearance rates kept on falling again until we got to last weekend when on our numbers, we think Melbourne has only just got over 50% and Sydney appears to be in the high 50s, which are in, in market conditions, that's kind of weakish and generally means that prices are softening potentially um, or have flatlined. Uh, so in our view, the market has been responding to the news and the increased risk that's out there and the increased fear that is out there. Indeed, this Saturday, there were 2,400 auctions due to go, uh, were, were actually scheduled. Mm -hmm. 24, Sydney had over 1,000 properties due to Saturday, which is an abnormal number of properties. And uh, it was effectively like we were seeing a tidal wave of properties coming through this Saturday. I think, I think a lot of sellers were seeing potentially the writing on the wall and wanted to get out. Um, and well, that's all gone now because you can no longer uh, hold a, a public auction. You can try and do it online, of course. Uh, but uh, that's, I think many agents are going to struggle with that. I think some large agency groups have been preparing for this week and trying to move. But I, I think overall, 
many vendors are going to withdraw their property. Uh, and our view is that the market's now likely to go into another hiatus period. Okay. So have you seen anything like this in your entire property research life? Closest I seen of this, similar to this, was the GFC, mm -hmm. uh, when the market was significantly weakening. But this, this, this is unique. I've never seen a situation where um, all public auctions are, are no longer meant to be held. I mean, this is, this is like effectively a trading halt for the whole market. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a very unique situation. Now, just calling it straight, the majority of properties in this country are actually sold by private treaty. Uh, and uh, many agents I've spoken to say, well, look, it's still going to be business as usual. We're just going to sell by tender or private treaty and also offer a lot of private appointments, which you can still do. Yeah. But the, you know, the, the public in, uh, property inspections or public auctions, uh, they're going to be a no-no for some time. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I think this is going to cause a lot of uh, sellers to go on the sidelines. Let's recall that um, uh, basically we don't think there's, uh, there's going to be a lot of for sale activity because the banks uh, are going to give a moratorium effectively for uh, mortgage holders where you don't have to pay uh, repay the mortgage for the next six months. Mm. Uh, and that should stop for seller activity. Um, do you think we'll see um, a 15% fall in prices like we saw in, in Sydney and Melbourne over that 17, 18 um, period? Or do you think that you really won't be able to rely on the numbers because it's just so, such an unusual looking market? It's not, it's not like comparing apples with apples, is it? Yeah, it's a very unique market, Peter, definitely. I, I think we're going to see some sellers panic. Uh, they're going to think that, yes, the market could fall 20% and they will be looking to uh, quickly meet the market. Uh, I think it really depends on how long we are going to be with this crisis. Hmm. How long are the shops going to be closed? How long is the economy going to be deeply affected? The, the longer this goes on for, uh, the worse it is for the economy. Uh, it will mean that we will have some deeper damage and more lasting damage uh, the longer it continues, and that will flow onto the housing market, in my view. Yeah. However, I've got to say, I'm a little bit more of an optimist when it comes to the case numbers, of the virus case numbers. I follow the data very closely, and my, and my view is that we will get on top of the numbers sooner than expected. Uh, and I think we've got every chance to get back down to zero cases, uh, potentially as early as uh, the end of next month. Uh, that, that is possible if we look at the China numbers, perhaps some other numbers which are now occurring in other countries that potentially turning the corner. I mean, it still feels like it's early days yet, uh, but if we were to get out of the, the worst of this storm by the end of, say, next month, uh, we start seeing restrictions being lifted maybe in May, uh, then I think this is a positive for the economy. I think the economy would come roaring back, provided businesses stay intact, um, and then we'll be off to the races, given the fact we've got all that stimulus in the market and we've got 
record low interest rates. Yeah. Do, do you think, like, if this became something far more serious than you are hoping for, and I'm, I'm with you on that, I think there's a very good chance the numbers improve uh, in April, and as a consequence, um, businesses start opening up, a lot of the restrictions on social gatherings changes. Uh, and if that's the case, unemployment you know, might top out in the 7% area, but quickly fall back into 6% if, if uh, businesses are opening up. If that's, if that's not the case and unemployment gets up to 7 or 8% and is entrenched, what do you think that would do to house prices? Well, if it's entrenched, uh, we've got a problem on our hands. I think uh, after the six-month period, let's assume that the banks can no longer extend that period of time, you're going to see forced seller activity. Uh, and at the same time, we'll have less buyers in the market because of the high unemployment rate. So more sellers and less buyers means one thing, Peter, and that means falling prices. Uh, so it, it is crucial we get on top of these case numbers as soon as we can, because I, I do fear that the longer this goes on, the more damage we are going to have here and the harder it will be for us to come back. For now, uh, you know, it feels to me that, look, uh, yes, a number of small businesses have had to lay off staff, but they're holding the bones together as much as they can. They, they will take the subsidy payments from the federal government. If those businesses largely can hold, stay in existence, then when the restrictions are lifted and everyone can go to a restaurant, they can go and have a drink at the pub, of course, we'll see those employment numbers roar back as those businesses rehire the staff they had to let go uh, to, to meet the, the increase in demand. Louis, had before this uh, problem, the coronavirus challenge to all asset markets and, and also humanity at large, were you seeing any um, comeback for property investors? Were they starting to come back in the market? Yes, uh, the, the housing finance approval numbers did uh, record rises in from uh, property investors' activity in the months of November and December. Uh, the the pickup, the 2019 pickup, was actually predominantly driven by uh, owner occupiers, from what we could see initially. Uh, investors generally would uh, lagging behind a number of uh, owner occupiers. Uh, but in the months of uh, November and December, it did appear as though investors were coming back into the market once more. Um, and the thing is, Peter, it, it's in terms of the actual yield offering compared to lending rates, there was a lot there for investors and there is now. Uh, let's remember that uh, the lending rate effectively in December uh, for the average property investor fell to about the low threes. Uh, and gross rental yields in Sydney and Melbourne, well, gross rental yields in Sydney were running in the fours, Melbourne in the sort of mid threes. Uh, basically, we were getting to the point where properties in Sydney and Melbourne were cash flow positive, even after taking into account, say, an 80% loan to value ratio. Mm. Um, so, and now um, it's even more the case, uh, given the rate cuts that uh, we are seeing uh, cash flow positive properties in Sydney and Melbourne. But let's also keep in mind that there is a risk on the rental front, Peter. 
Uh, I mean, we, we saw the terrible queues uh, some days back. Okay, they would be many tenants there, yeah. Peter, many tenants indeed. Uh, and I know of a number of landlords and agents are reporting to me that tenants are demanding um, either a, a rent-free period or, or, or a 50% reduction in rent. Yeah. So as each, as each day goes by, I would suggest that there's going to be more and more uh, downward pressure on the rental market. Let's also remember the Airbnb properties that suddenly right now wouldn't have uh, people staying there. Yeah. They'll be added back into the rental market as well, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think there is definitely downside when it comes to rents. Mm. Uh, just for those people who might want to be bargain hunting over this period of time, hoping that both you and I are right, that there will be a, a reasonably um, quick solution well, improvement in the infection rates and death rates, maybe across April. Um, where would you be looking? Where's the best value right now around the country? Just focus on capital cities. Well, before we were going into this, we were most bullish on the Perth market. We thought in terms of the fundamentals, uh, Perth uh, rental vacancy rates had been falling right throughout the course of 2019. Subsequently, rents were on the rise in Perth, yet the gross rental yield in Perth was hovering in the fives. Um, the market, of course, had been in a downturn since 2014, and, and the median house price actually was at the same level that's been recorded in 2007. Uh, so Perth was actually offering great value. Of course, there were risks, there were reasons for this, and that is because uh, Perth went into an economic downturn due to the commodities downturn of, of 2013 through to 2016. Mm. Uh, and Perth will always be that. It's, it's, it's definitely more of a commodities play. Uh, but we believe that that was offering the best opportunity uh, and still may well be offering the best opportunity. Uh, we, we do believe that China is now on the turnaround with their economy uh, and that they are now over the virus, touch wood, it doesn't come back in a second wave, that will help the city of Perth, no question about it. Uh, so that, that was definitely one of our big ones. And then second to that was Brisbane. We thought Brisbane was coming into good value. Yep. Uh, the, once again, the yields are high and importantly, vacancy rates are falling after a period of oversupply uh, on, uh, over the years of 2014, 2015 and 2016. Uh, so popul the population growth rate in, in Brisbane had been picking up and all that surplus stock was finally being absorbed. Uh, so we, we took the view that Brisbane uh, was a good opportunity for 2020. Okay, mate. Well, let's uh, keep our fingers crossed that all those great forecasts become relevant inside maybe two or three months. Louis Christopher from SQM Research, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, mate. They'll be going out um, tomorrow. Tomorrow night. We'll get. We'll, we'll send you a link. Yeah, great. I think seems like that one went okay. Yeah, no, not bad for a bloke who's hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about me, not you, of course. <laughs> Thanks, Louis. All right, mate. Stay safe. Yeah, same bit. Same here. Bye, bye. See ya. Joining me now is my colleague at the Switzer Report and Switzer Daily, 
Paul Rickard, who actually wrote a piece a week ago predicting that uh, house prices were the next leg down for asset prices. Paul, um, I guess I have to say you've been vindicated in your, in your prediction. Well, it's nice to get some right, Peter. Not that I wish property prices to fall, but... No, uh, you own a lot of property. Yeah, but go on. I own a little bit of property, but I mean, asset classes are correlated. So when you get a big fall in one market like the share market, and you also saw the share market, not just shares get affected, but you saw commercial property trusts get absolutely slammed. It's only a matter of time before you see it in the, in the, in the, in the uh, home market. Yeah. And I was just staggered to read, you know, a couple of weeks ago that auction rates were still high and people were saying lower interest rates, it was all going to happen. But what, what they forget is it only takes a small change in demand or a small increase in supply to have a big impact in price in these yeah. markets. Yeah. And just because interest rates are coming down wasn't a good enough reason, Peter. It was a fact of life that we're now going to see unemployment up. Yeah. We're going to see people in the airline industry and the travel industry who suddenly might need to do something with their home yeah. uh, or who weren't going to buy any longer. Yeah. And uh, that's why property prices had to come down. Uh, I said 5 to 10% minimum. I think it's probably a bit more than that, Peter. It's not a collapse, but it's just back to where it was yeah. 12 months ago. And in many ways, it's going to be a temporary collapse, provided the, the resolution of the coronavirus challenges are quicker than the worst-case scenario. I, yeah, I think it's probably a little more than the temporary collapse because I don't think the share market is going to come rocketing all the way back to where no. it was quickly. So yeah. we could get a V-shaped recovery there, but... Uh, you know, confidence is going to be knocked. There have been four sellers. So, this, you know, people who were investors in shares, some people have lost money, superannuants yeah. have lost money. They'll get some of that back, but they won't be, you know, quick back into the property yeah. market. So I think the, the bottom part of the market, the first home owners, buyers mm. market is going to be good. Yeah. But I think the, the investor market is going to struggle. And now we've seen, <clears> you know, all changes in sort of tourism and, and visitors. You know, foreign buyers won't be there any longer, Peter. Yeah. So, you know, this is, uh, this is not just a temporary change. It's the property market to, to, uh, talking its book. Mm. Uh, last weekend was the weekend to sell. I wouldn't buy. I'd wait a bit longer. Yeah, and I guess the, the, the other little factor which is becoming an issue is a lot of tenants who have lost their job are either asking for rent reductions or they're moving out back with their parents. So a lot of property investors will be a bit cagey about, even though there's going to be good value in the market, they still will worry about whether the supply of tenants is going to be good because once some people go back to their parents, they might think, well, we might stay there for another year or two just to terrorise Yeah, and, and there's lots of pressure on, on commercial property landlords to reduce rent and yeah. provide you know, rent 50% off or 20% off. And I guess you're going to see some of that flow into the residential market and mm. you say people will, will, will make changes. So let's hope it is, it is a quick recovery. Mm. But just bear in mind, as I keep saying, you know, watch the share market probably for the guide here because the markets are correlated. The share market had moved for a couple of months and the property market, residential property market yeah. had done nothing. It was always going to move, Peter, and it will move back up. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> so take your lead from the share market. That's what would be my advice. As a young man in 1987, when the market crashed then, I learned something. I was writing in those days for the Sun-Herald and I, I, I learned that the, the fact that um, a lot of people said that the property market is, is a quality market. There would be a flight to quality, mm. leaving the stock market into the property market. Do you think that still applies, Paul? Look, I think um, people obviously feel safer with bricks and mortar, right? Yeah. Um, and we know there's always going to be a demand for land. So, mm. you know, bricks and mortar, there's going to be some value, which is, you know, shares potentially, you know, can go to zero. Yeah. People, companies go broke. 
So I, I guess that there is a bit more security in having a real asset that you can live in or yeah. whatever it is, and so that gives people comfort. Over time though, Peter, all the data shows that the market returns for shares and property are about the same, mm. and they're pretty closely correlated. So mm. when you get a big move in one market, the other market doesn't stand still. Mm. Uh, and I think that's just something to bear in mind. So um, look, I understand why a lot of people like property, they love mm. the feel, they can mm. do all they want to it, they can improve it. You can't do that to a share. No. Um, but uh, the evidence says that over time, there's not that much difference in the return from the two assets. Okay, that's Paul Rickard from the Switch Report. Well, in these crazy coronavirus times, uh, with the stock market really copying it, to date, the real estate market hasn't really shown that prices are falling. And I guess many of us are asking the question, will it eventually have an impact on the prices we see in the property market to give us her best uh, market insightful views as Anna Porton as she's the founder and the principal of Suburbanite and to boot apart from being a genius in these property matters she's a property valuer as well. Thanks for joining us Anna. Welcome thanks for having me. So let's talk about the the information that was released from Canberra overnight which really uh, is going to have a big impact on um, the real estate market at least in the short term why don't you just talk, talk us through it and what you think the impact will be? Yeah, so they've made some big changes overnight um, in the way which open homes are conducted. So you're not allowed to hold open homes anymore with groups of people. And you're also not allowed to hold public auctions. So what we're hearing on the ground is there's already some agents that have been doing their auctions online for the past week or so, and many others are gearing up for that. Uh, the open homes one I think will be the most impactful. It means agents effectively will have to do um, individual or single inspections. Yeah. And that will mean they're working very hard to get every property over the line in already a tough environment. But we, we can see why the measures have been put in place. You know, it is a place where people congregate, you bump into each other in hallways, there's four people sort of squishing into the bathroom together to see it. And it's exactly the sort of thing the government's trying to avoid. Um, the online auction platform, I... I, I I'm wondering whether how, not whether, how successful it will be. You know, there's some older generations that may not be comfortable with that type of format for bidding. Mm. So they may need to look at also putting more properties on as private treaty. And in some areas, that's fine. That's the, the preferred method of sale anyway. But Sydney and Melbourne are very auction-centric. So it will be interesting to watch this space. Yeah. I, I guess the, the bottom line is that lots of sellers will probably say to the real estate agent, let's renegotiate the cost of this auction because... If it doesn't have the same p potential bang for their buck, uh, and then they have to go to private treaties to try and sell the thing, there's probably going to be a, a period of where real estate agents are going to have to be um, quite flexible. Yeah, and some of the other costs that will start to kick in as well is extended marketing periods. You know, putting your property on the online platforms and in the paper and things like that is, is an expensive process. And if properties are taking a lot longer to sell because of the current circumstances and you know, the time invested in getting individual people through the property and, and sterilising appropriately, appropriately between inspections. Mm. Uh, it's going to come at a cost to sellers, it sure is. Anna, do you think a lot of um, non-desperate um, sellers of houses will just simply say, I'm pulling out and I'm waiting for spring because then it's a good chance that coronavirus will be done and dusted and that would be the better time for me to sell? 
Absolutely. And we're already hearing stories to that effect. So a number of the agents we work with have already said that they've had a number of their sellers pulling out and just putting everything on hold. So there's some that will absolutely need to sell that have already purchased elsewhere or their life circumstances have changed and they're the ones that are going to have to forge ahead. Um, but for buyers, you know, it's interesting, buyers are always up in arms when the market's too hot and too competitive and now we've got a different environment and it's going to be interesting to see which buyers come out of the woodwork and which ones retract. I, I guess it, being an economist myself, I, 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 I we're looking at the data that we will see over the next month or two and, and say, well, it's just not reliable data to compare to what was going on, say, three or four weeks ago. Is that a fair call? It is. This is the black swan event. How this will unfold is unknown. It's not, it's not exactly the same as the GFC. It's not exactly the same as when interest rates were high. It is something that is global. And, you know, I can understand if buyers are retreating and sellers are retreating because their job security is not there. And that's such a big trigger in the property market yeah. as to how it performs and how stable it is. Yeah. I know I've been saying when it comes to the stock market because the panic was so... Um, over the top, you know, there was a good reason to even think about closing the stock market down, which they did in America um, with September 11. Um, but when it comes to the housing market, you can't shut it down. But certainly going to private treaty and just allowing people to, you know, make an offer and see if the sellers prepare to cop, cop it seems like the way to go. But you just can't compare apples with oranges when it comes to the statistical analysis of what looks like a, a, a usual market? Well, there's so many moving parts when it comes to property. So even if you do get an offer accepted, you have to get access to pest and building information because that can be frightfully expensive if you get that wrong, if you have termites or structural issues. So you need to have your pest and building inspectors available to you. You need to then have access to valuations so lenders can close out mortgage deals. And if these things, if these industries start to come to a grinding halt, conveyances, solicitors, there's a range of professionals that jump in in a very short time frame, especially for an auction, to pull a property deal together. And if a buyer doesn't have certainty around any of those components, or you know, the, the industry in general doesn't have certainty around any of those components, uh, it certainly is an, a time that I've never seen in property, and I've been doing this for over 15 years. So we really need to tread cautiously and, and in a measured way. And I think agents need to be respectful of that. But luckily, the ones I've spoken to have been. And you know, it flows through to the rental market too. There's been some significant changes announced in that sector as well. Anna, um, when, when I look at, you know, the, the issues that we were going to talk about, namely, you know, how's the Royal Commission affected the, um, the lending to investors? Are investors showing up and, and participating in the market? It's all kind of changed. But it, one of the interesting um, aspects of the stimulus package that, that pertains to banks is that they're... Um, they're, they're re reducing the draconian nature of their responsible lending obligations. Uh, do you think once the, um, the fear around the coronavirus starts to dissipate, they actually could encourage a lot of investors to come back in the market, A, on the belief that prices will be down and B, that a recovery is going to be coming along? And if banks are, are being far more accommodating, do you think it's going to create an opportunity for um, property investors? Yeah, look, that will really uh, come down to the bank's credit department, how they handle it post-virus scenario, whether they tighten up again, whether they look at those measures. There could be a reality where some people have put their home loan on a payment pause and that amount, you know, the interest gets capitalised, added to the loan amount. 
they could end up with loans higher than the value of their property. So it's going to be a very interesting scenario how credit and how the lenders will deal with that. Um, I would like to think they'll deal with that with a level of empathy and understanding the people's circumstances. Um, there certainly are investors that are seeing this as an opportunity and there's a number of investors have already called us to ask, you know, should they be investing? And I, I you know, I, my caution to them is it is an opportunity if you have, have that job security, if you can hold the property through these turbulent time, you, sh- you know, if you have to sell in six or 12 months, certainly you don't want to leave yourself in that sort of position. And Anna, there's one other aspect which I'm sure you've worked out and I've actually heard this from a number of friends of mine that uh, in some cases, tenants who effectively have lost their job have left the um, apartment and moved back with mum and dad, which of course puts the landlord in a bit of pressure as well. Yeah, and there's also been some announcements um, of a similar nature that they're looking at how tenants can get rental payment pauses or, or breaks from paying rent or reducing rent without the same repercussions they once had. So, you know, not being dragged straight through the tribunal. This triggers a lot of things. So for landlords, if they lose their rental income, that's going to put them under financial pressure. So there's a there's a chain event there. Uh, it's also going to be looking at things like, will the tenants eventually have to pay that back over time or is that just money that's lost to the landlord? Does that then trigger the landlord to be able to go to their lender and claim financial hardship? Would that meet that criteria? Mm. So there's a lot of um, things that happen there. And then also insurance, you know, a lot of landlords have insurance to cover loss of rent. So are the insurance parties coming to to the table on this or not? And that's still something yet to be seen. There's a lot of back and forth over policy wording, but effectively there's going to be a change in legislation here. And this is significant for everybody involved in that process, as well as real estate agents whose business is built on sale of property and managing it. And if they lose a percentage of that revenue, that will reduce the income into their business. So it's another industry that will struggle off the back. And it's going to be a really big test for landlord insurance, isn't it? I don't think they've ever encountered anything like this. And I guess insurance companies do have reinsurance policies, but I guess, once I say, this is a curveball that a lot of insurers wouldn't have expected. Yeah, and look, the money's still got to come from somewhere, doesn't it? The insured are insured who are insured by someone else. Mm. And eventually that pot of money will run dry. So, you know, it's, it's a global issue and they're going to have to be very measured how they deal with it. The other one that I've also really been considering, and I don't know that I have an answer for yet, is when people come back, sort of to your point a few moments ago, when people come back into the market after this event's done, if they've put their home loan onto a payment pause because of their current circumstances, be interesting to see how credit deals with that from a default or a credit issue point of view, whether they'll be extending loans to people that had to go through that process or whether they'll look at that as you know a, a flag that says, we may not lend to you until a further time has passed. You know, At the moment, if you stopped paying your home loan prior to this, that would create issues with you getting your next loan. But this is a different environment. It's a different playing field. So I'd be very interested to hear the policies that come out around that. I think both you and I uh, have never imagined that a situation could be so challenging that uh, banks would basically give assurances to government that they would allow their borrowers a six-month period of not having to pay their home loans. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it? It is. And, you know, even when you ring the bank just to discuss other matters, their lines are clogged up. There's, you know, on their website, there's, you know, st- statements saying how, how much um, activity they've got going on and how much inquiry. And that's just a sign that people are ringing up and making those calls and are trying to find out how they access that type of relief. So it's, it's not just been promised, but it's being used by the sounds of it.
Great stuff. Anna, thanks for joining us on the program. Look forward to talking to you, hopefully, in a better time in, say, four or six weeks' time. We can only hope. Thank you.